Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Oh, doing great. Ready to dive into these Cavs. Absolutely, yeah. This is a uh, season of change for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They, they, um, It's funny, they didn't, as I was kind of prepping for the show, I'm like, they didn't lose all that many guys and add all that many guys, but they lost the big guy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll obviously spend some time on that one as we get into the show. So, just a little peek behind the curtain here. We're recording this show on Sunday morning, August 12th. So, if there are any transactions between now and the time you hear this, we will obviously not get to talk about them, but we will uh, do our best to catch them in a future show as we get into it. But what we will do here on this episode for the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's an off-season review, so we're going to talk all the guys who left, all the guys who came in, and then we'll get into about 10 questions or so about the Cavs in the upcoming season, and we will uh, you know, have a little bit of fun here going through all that Cleveland is doing as they um, kind of embark on their their next iteration, I guess, of team is the best way to put it. So, Pete, you ready to go and talk some Cavaliers off-season? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the guys that they brought in this summer, Sam Decker added in a trade with the L.A. Clippers. Then Channing Frye comes back to Cleveland, resigns over there. Uh, David Nawaba, this one is not official yet, has not happened, but it is reported, and no belief that it won't eventually happen. So I'm not sure what's holding it up on getting it done, but he is supposedly joining there. Colin mm-hmm. Sexton, he was the guy who was added at the NBA draft. Their uh, number one pick there, uh, courtesy of the Brooklyn Nets. Then Isaiah Taylor was signed to a camp deal, and then Billy Preston added on a two-way contract. And then the guys they lost, Jose Calderon, Jeff Green, Kendrick Perkins was waived, Okara White was waived, Rodney Hood is still a pending restricted free agent, and yes, they lost that guy, uh, LeBron James. You ever heard of him, Pete? I know, yeah. Who is that? He's he's okay, I think. Uh, I yeah. think he's all right. So how I know he's really good is my mom knows who he is. So that's that's how I know uh, <laughs> LeBron's a really good player because if uh, if she knows, then he's he he must be something. So all right. So like I said, there there wasn't too too much, um, you know, going on uh, in the uh, you know Cavs as far as players in players out. But we're gonna break them all down. So let's start right at the top. 2018 NBA draft. Colin Sexton comes in to Cleveland. Pete, what did you think about that draft pick for the Cavs? 
I love the draft pick in, in Colin Sexton. Um, I'm here in Georgia, so he's a local guy out of Pebble Brook High School. Good size at 6'3". Um, really can play both sides of the ball, and he's kind of a bull on offense, can get to the rim and, and, and score there. Um, I worried a little bit just kind of following him from the high school level to, to his recruitment at the University of Alabama because he had you know the eligibility concerns because of the investigation and things like that. Ultimately, it was cleared. Um, we all know the infamous uh, three-on-five um, – <laughs> you know, game where he was pretty much put on the mat by everybody that doesn't really follow college basketball. Because if you're on social media, you saw it, and it was like, wow, this this kid, you know, really is going to pull out a win for, for Alabama in this. And um, So you hit that exactly right because I don't have a lot of time for college basketball, and I was all over it. Like, I had a friend who was like, hey, Alabama's playing three on five, and, like, they're still winning, and – so I flipped the game on, um, was, I forget, it was on one of the ESPN channels or Fox or some, some one of them. So now I was like, holy crap, they really are going to win this game. And then again, one of those things where you knew is a story. My dad actually said, Hey, what happened in this game the other day? This kid, you know, scored like 40 points or whatever it was. And his team was playing three on five and all that. So, so you're absolutely right. It did definitely kind of jump him up there as far as getting him some attention from those who may not have known. And the, for anybody that's curious that, that is under a rock that never saw that, it was the, uh, 40 point effort that he put up in a loss against the University of Minnesota. Um, so you can, you know, kind of Google that and see, you know, YouTube highlights of, of what happened there. But, uh, fast forwarding to Sexton and the NBA draft, a lot of, um, you know, kind of scouts and things like that were worried as far as, Sexton on the offensive end of the ball, like would he be able to shoot well enough? Um, you know, can he really be a true point guard? Is he going to be better than you know some of the other bigger names that that were in the draft? Notably, you know, a guy like Trey Young. And ultimately, I think NBA career wise, Sexton's going to be good on both sides of the ball. Now, maybe not in his first season, he may struggle shooting a little bit there, but you know, the heart and hustle is going to be there, and the good thing, Cleveland having veterans, he doesn't have to start right away and be thrown into the fire um, and make a lot of the, the prone rookie mistakes at the point guard spot because it is the, the hardest position to learn. So he has George Hill there um, for the time being as a veteran mentor. Yeah, you know, I think there's a chance he's probably going to be moderately bad as almost all rookie point guards are. Um, in their first year, they're just generally not very good. And, you know, and that's that's okay. What you want to see is flashes that they're really kind of understanding the game, that they're, you know, doing things well. I get to obviously a chance to watch him out at Summer League in Las Vegas, and I thought he was really, really impressive there. I liked what you said. He's a bull. Like, this kid gets to where he wants to go on the floor on both ends. Like, there's, he's, he's, um, he's not in the Marcus Scart, uh, Marcus Smart school of being unscreenable, but he's pretty close. Like, he, you know, can get around screens because he's really fast. He's also got enough strength to get through guys when he needs to on the defensive end. He really does, you know, that, uh, 
you know, he really embraces the opportunity to go against guys and, you know, do what he can there. And then on the offensive end, like there was multiple times during summer league and then all throughout his, you know, one year at Alabama where he just puts his head down and gets right to the basket. You know, if that's where he wants to go, I have my doubts on how, if his shots ever going to get there, it's not, it's not awful though. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not completely broken and he did shoot, you know, always has shot pretty well from the free throw line. Um, and that's always a pretty good indicator that a guy can get there, you know, with a shot overall, uh, wasn't a, you know, terrific playmaker for others at, at summer league or in college. So that's something he's going to have to develop and figure out. But, but I'm, I'm pretty high on this kid. I think he's got a good chance. I think, I think the Cavs did the best they could when the Nets, you know, really ended up being a little bit better than I think people expected last season. And the pick landed, you know, towards the back half of the lottery there at number eight. Um, it was, uh, you know, just, you know, not where the Cavs were hoping it would be is a, you know, I think had some inklings that they were going to need to be rebuilding as, uh, you know, LeBron James was potentially leaving. But, you know, so we're, we're curious to see. I would have been interested to see what they would have done if they knew they had LeBron staying, if Sexton still would have been the pick or not. I, I kind of think he might have been because they still needed a point guard. But, you know, well, that's one of those things that we're, we're never going to know the answer to that, right? We'll, uh, we'll just have to see. You know, where it goes um, with that one uh, down the line. And if Sexton is, you know, kind of the guy for the Cavs to, to build this thing around because the next big thing that happened was LeBron James left. He he headed to the Los Angeles Lakers and, you know, he, he's going out. We're, we've got a question in our 10 questions, obviously, about LeBron James. But it's, uh you know, we don't need to spend any time talking about it because it's obviously a huge loss. He's the best player in the world. Um, there's there's no way they can replace him. They they didn't even in many ways try, right? They're just gonna kind of go forward with what they have and you know a couple other additions. So it's not a uh, it's not a case where you know poor Sam Decker he comes in as he's he's not being asked to be the LeBron replacement, um, you know. But it's gonna be you know it's it's just gonna be tough for the Cavs. I think that's you know really where we need to leave it right with that one. Yeah, so, all right, so let's keep calling Billy Preston. Now, this is a guy, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about him because Billy Preston is uh, on a two-year, two-way contract. So he signed a two-year, uh, two-way deal. He went undrafted in the draft. Kind of an interesting path here. Started out um, last season, he went to Kansas, but then never played because there was a bunch of eligibility issues and things like that. And then about halfway through the year or so, he left uh, school and then he um went and signed with uh i'm gonna butcher this but it's i think it's ego kia um in bosnia yeah yeah in bosnia yeah so it's uh you know cl- close enough but then he only played three games over there so you know didn't get to see too too much but this is a kid who was a pretty high level recruit um, people had really high hopes for him and then he really flashed a lot of that ability in summer league um you know took a lot of kind of really bad shots but showed all the athleticism you want to see in all this so pete what are your thoughts on the Cavs getting pressing on a two-year two-way contract i mean i like it for the upside of what potentially he does have but like you just said that that was my biggest thing and i i underlined it on my notes is shot selection because it's bad and he can be a ball stopper that looks more for just his offensive game. So even though he can block shots, he doesn't put the most effort into the defensive end and, and rebounding the ball. 
So just being a talented scorer, I think inking the rare two-year two-way versus the one-year two-way, I think that gives the Cavs a lot of time to kind of groom him um, on both sides of the ball under like a guy like Kevin Love, you know, who kind of had to learn to be more disciplined himself from his Minnesota days to taking a third, you know, kind of player role in, in Cleveland and, and learn about his shot selection and things like that. So just the work ethic has to improve, but the potential of being, you know, the really good finisher around the basket, you know, above average shooter, especially off the dribble can potentially stretch to three, but maybe not right away. Um, you know, I think Preston has some high upside. That's a guy you kind of gamble on. Yeah, you know, he's six foot ten. He's about 240, 250 pounds, so he's more of a true power forward. But I think he wants to, the way he played in Summer League and then what I've seen from some of his highlights, I think he wants to play more like he's Kevin Durant-sized, or Kevin Durant's game, rather. And that's not his game. You know, and that, that maybe eventually he could grow into that. Now, one thing that is interesting to know with that is he's going to be 21 right around the start of the season. So he's a lot older for a uh, you know player because he had a you know at least one, if not two years of prep school um, following um, his regular high school. Um, you know, so that's uh, you know one thing that I think kind of scared teams off drafting him was well this kid's gosh he's already gonna be 21 as a rookie without you know really any experience at all um playing so but at summer league 10 and a half points per game uh five and a half rebounds did like we said you know really just didn't shoot it well took a lot of mid-range jumpers just tough shots trying to do a lot off the dribble and it's always hard to know because maybe that's what the coaches wanted him to do Maybe they were like, hey, really put the ball in the deck and, you know, get after it that way. So, you know, in, in those three games overseas, you know, but says similar type profile, you know, 38% from the floor, seven points, four rebounds, you know, didn't exactly play super great defense um, over there. So, you know, but I think there's enough upside here that I love it on a two-way contract, especially where the Cavs are going, that there's there's literally no no tangible investment here beyond time. You know, so so you're gonna spend time with this kid and see if you can get him there. You know, and that's you know really where you go. So, all right. Uh, then they waived Kendrick Perkins. This is you know this is I gotta believe this is probably it for Perkins. He is uh you know caught on with the Cavs at the end of the last couple of seasons, more as a locker room uh, type. I think is probably most famous thing he did for the Cavs this past season was you know kind of being that tough guy on the bench when he wasn't even in the game. So that's, yeah, uh, you know, we'll uh, let's jaw yeah. with Stephen Curry. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, some other yeah, guys. So, uh, you know, ha- happy trails to Perk. You know, it's pro- probably probably time to be wrapping. Up I thought he was done before he came back in the G League. Yeah, and you know, that, I was surprised to him, right? Yeah, um, you know, for for putting in that time there. So, you know, but I, I I'm gonna guess this is this is about done. It's probably you know transition into coaching and some form of role mm-hmm. there because I think he could make a pretty good coach. Um, type of guy for some bigs and things like that. So Channing Fry re-signs with the Cavs. So the Cavs traded him at the trade deadline to the Lakers. Then he didn't really play with the Lakers, some health issues. And then now he's coming back to Cleveland. I'll be honest, I don't understand it. I, I don't. Why? If you're Fry, like this seems not going to be good. I guess he just wanted to be in Cleveland. And I don't get it for the Cavs. Like, go get somebody younger. Some, you know, someone who can do things. I know it's a minimum contract, so it doesn't 
doesn't hurt them at all but i just i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me do you, do you get anything more on it pete or you know, the, the only thing out? i could think of was you know just kind of of being a vet in the locker room maybe if he gets a couple minutes could stretch the floor you know as a as a stretch five but other than that looking at the road tripping podcast that he does with richard jefferson and ali clifton i i nothing really was like wow well they were signing channing fry like okay like you know not much production on the court yeah i mean everybody loves channing fry he's by all accounts a great guy and people love having him around but i don't know i just don't think this team is that's not where they really seem to be um position wise so so we'll see you know maybe, maybe he's a little bit better than you know what you or i think and maybe they can flip him for a small asset later down the line but we'll, we'll we'll see where that one goes next one kevin love so let's spend some time here kevin love um signed the big contract extension signed for uh four more years at a hundred little over 120 million dollars um so 28.9 next year 31 then 31 and then back down in that final year of that extension to 28.9 so love is going to be 30 in uh, about a month here and he's going into his 11th year so I guess, Pete, where I want to go with this one is, was this the right move for the Cavs to sign Love to this big four-year contract extension? I was in shock when it happened because I was like, wow, like Kevin Love, like this is a guy that you pretty much, you know, he was under blast of, of you know, the media and and LeBron James' ire for, for a while, you know, as far as, you know, underperforming um in in big moments and now you basically reward a guy like okay you were our third guy you took punishment you know all this time now we're going to reward you we really need you to be the the number one option again like you were in in minnesota and i just think this is gonna between this contract and then the tristan thompson move i think i just i don't like like the direction they went with that i i felt like if you're Cleveland, you move a guy like LeBron James that big, and then you look at the roster, and they're a really big, you know, kind of up and coming asset that you you want to develop is is Colin Sexton. Then you have to move off of a guy like Kevin Love and and just go full rebuild, go with some younger guys, and give Kevin Love a, a chance to continue to compete for a championship rather than you know maybe not making the playoffs. You know, it's funny, if you had asked me, you know, a month or so ago, or really at the end of June as we're transitioning into the new league year, and said, what's more likely to happen, Kevin Love gets traded or Kevin Love signs an extension, I would have given you phenomenal odds on Kevin Love gets traded. Like, you know, I mean, what what do you want? You know, here it is, like, there's no way they're going to sign him to an extension, and yet, here we are, you know, at the... uh, you know, middle of August, we're about a month out or so from camp, and love now. Now you've got him locked into a contract that looks like he's, you know, part of the future for the Cavs because dude, we always talk a lot on the show about tradable contracts. That's not a super tradable contract because he's had all these health issues, and by the end of this deal, said he's going to be thirty one, two, three, thirty four years old. You know, at the in the last season of this deal, making twenty eight point nine million dollars. It's you know with with the health issues that he's already have that's 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 tough. I just I don't know you know that that makes a lot of sense. I really thought what we we're gonna see was the Cavs were gonna do what they could to be competitive this year, and then start to move on from guys like George Hill and Love and 
Kyle Corver and Tristan Thompson if they could, J.R. Smith, and then really say, you know, all right, we're going into next year with a boatload of cap space, and we're going to figure this thing out and get after it. They can still have a decent amount of cap space next summer, but, you know, they obviously ate up $28.9 million of it. Uh, so it's just, yeah, this is one I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I guess, is where, where I would put it. Well, and then there. he exceeded the limit for the extended trade, you know, kind of deal. So he can't be moved for six months. So if they have, if they have buyer's remorse or, you know, things go south quickly, you know, teams that might be clamoring for Kevin Love, you can't really move him. Yeah, you it's know. a trade deadline at that point. Yep. Right. And yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't get it. But you Yeah, know, all right. Yeah. So we're on the same page with that one. So then the next one was Okara White was waived. This is, you know, this was all to do with the guaranteed money the Cavs were looking at and saying, all right, if anything, he's, you know, completely at the back end of our roster and, you know, this is, we're not going to guarantee him. I believe it was, he was due to be 50% guaranteed when he was waived. So, so this one makes sense to me. White has since moved on to sign overseas. And then they made the trade for Sam Decker. This one was about the Cavs taking a shot for really nothing at all. They traded the draft rights to to uh, Vladimir Verminko, who's at this point he's never coming over to the NBA, and they this was about the Cavs being there for the Clippers when the Clippers were in a spot where the Clippers have quite frankly too many NBA guys on their roster, and they're gonna have, they were either gonna have to cut or move guys, and the Cavs saying you know what Decker, you know he came in, you know was kind of a hyped prospect and had shown some things, so let's take a shot on him. And see if we can can uh, get something out of it. So you like this move for the Cavs, Brandon Decker? Uh, gives them a chance because the reports came out that you know he's not been mentally focused since he's been in the NBA. Uh, the back injury sidelined him in Houston, and then he got to the Clippers. Didn't really play under or under Doc either. More of a stretch four role than playing the three. But you know, I think his key minutes for you know, the Cavs could be at the three or the most minutes could maybe be at the three. Um, I don't know how he's really going to pan out, honestly, because I haven't seen enough of him actually on the floor at the NBA level to know what he can really do. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny. I was just looking at his uh, player profile here and he, you know, 77 games in his second year with Houston after that first year was wiped out by the back injury. And, you know, okay, he was all right, you know, off the bench. Six and a half points per game, shot it okay. And then last year with the Clippers, I, I was surprised to see this. He played in 73 games with mm-hmm. them, which is, you know, that's a lot more than I would expect. It shot just under 50%, but, you know, four points per game, you know, only two and a half rebounds. So just, you know, not really sure. I, I, I'm i with you. I think this is a chance of, you know, hey, we're going to bring him in. Maybe he can learn from Kevin Love. Maybe he can become a Kevin Love light. You know, off the bench for them. I think they're 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 backup three man, maybe even starting three, depending on where things go. Is likely going to be uh, um, uh, Chetty Osman. So we'll we'll have to see you know where that all lands out. But it's you know again, this is another one of those you got them for absolutely nothing for the draft rights to a player. You know, and it's only going to cost you two point seven million. You might as well take a shot. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And it was just you know a little bit of Dan Gilbert's money. Is all a caution on that one, uh, and mm-hmm. then a pending pending signing David Nawaba is um you know it's it, he this one was kind of funny we talked about him a little bit on the Chicago show 
that the Bulls kind of, you know, jerked him around a little bit then didn't get him re-signed and didn't do anything. And now he's still sitting out there and here we are in the middle of August and still no one signed him even though he's reportedly coming to a contract with the Cavs, but it still hasn't happened. But I really like David Nawaba. Now, his value to Cleveland? I don't know. You know, they don't really have anybody like him on the roster, so I guess that helps. He's, you know, going to probably be their best defensive player right out of the gate. So, so I like that one for them. But if they're not very good, what's the point? Right, and you just said it. His value is on defense, not on offense. So what kind of punch does he give you? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, he's shown flashes that he can score a little bit, but he that's not his – that is – not his forte. So defense wise, it, it it's all going to play out what they do with Rodney hood, you know, him coming back, you know, what Chetty Osmond does. Do you keep Corver? Do you keep Smith? Like all these things are too many variables right now to say truly what no Waba's role outside of just being a plus defender is going to be. But I really like Nawaba and, and I think the bulls are going to regret, you know, passing on bringing him back. But the Cavs, I think, get a steal here because defensively, you know, being able to come in and, you know, if they do, you know, end up making the playoffs, guarding, you know, the other team's, you know, go-to score at the two-guard position, even at the point or the three, I think he can guard all three of those positions. I think that gives you a versatile plus defender, and that's something they don't have across the board. So I think he'll do okay in, in the Cavs system. It's just whether – you know, those other variables take away too much of his playing time. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, is, you know, where where does he fit? I, it's kind of funny. I would have liked him more on this Cavs team the last couple of years mm-hmm. with, you know, when they were, you know, finals contenders, you know, or, or title contenders, I guess is a better way to put it. I think he really would have done well. I think he's a guy who could have played against the Warriors, you know, and, and helped them, you know, at periods of time, you know, just with his ability to play defense. So, you know, kind of, kind of curious to see where that one goes. I'm assuming it's not going to be for too much money um, there. You mentioned his name there kind of in passing, but another guy as we sit here in mid-August who sits unsigned is Rodney Hood. He's really been a victim of this free agent but restricted free agent market where teams just said, forget it. We're not, you know, do much with almost all the restricted free agents. And it's kind of crazy to me that, you know, at this point it seems like he would have either signed the qualifying offer or been out there. That leads me to believe there's still some team out there poking around saying, Hey, hold on. Maybe we can put together a sign and trade, or maybe we can put together, you know, some other way to get you here on a deal. The Cavs won't match. I'm guessing he's not, you know, overly thrilled with the idea of being back in Cleveland unless he signed to a new contract. What do you think ultimately happens with Rodney Hood? That's that's exactly what you just said uh, as far as not being ultimately happy. I think that goes for both sides because I don't know that they were obviously thrilled that he didn't want to go into a game, you know, obviously, you know, had a reduced role going to the Cavs. And for me, if you look across, you know, the, the roster, if if he does take the quali- qualifying offer and signs back in Cleveland, that means that, you know, no other offer is really panned out, and that really shows that he's unhappy. But then how motivated is he going to be to really step in um, and play a role? And then on the other side of that, how motivated is Ty Lue to really give him a big chunk of the offensive role? Because injuries kind of showed a, a lot in – Utah and he basically, you know, kind of was up and down um 
at the beginning of the season, and that's why I think they ended up moving him to um, <clears throat> to Cleveland. And I don't know. I, I think a team like Sacramento, as far as you know, maybe because they've shown past interest, could use him at the small forward spot. New Orleans, you know, can make a move, but then you got to look at the pieces that would be going back to Cleveland. And really, is it enough to to get a guy like Rodney Hood in that kind of a move? So I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those two where if Cleveland, you know, to me, when you re-sign Kevin Love to the big extension, you're sending out signs that hey, we we're we're gonna try to be a playoff team and go. So you need him back because you don't have they don't have a real small forward on the roster. Uh, everybody else is kind of more of a shooting guard masquerading as a small forward outside of Chetty Osman. And I, I don't think you want to put him in there saying, you know, all right, well, hey, you're going to be the starting three man, you know, for us right now. So, you know, it's one of those, it's just, it's one of those, my, my guess is ultimately he just signs the qualifying offer and plays out the year. And then we'll see, you know, where it goes from there. Um, with that, I know a lot of people said, well, maybe he signs a qualifying offer and then just gets traded somewhere else. But then he loses his bird rights. And, you know, that's not anything he's going to want to deal with. So then he gets a no trade clause. So it's going to be, this one might be messy uh, going forward here. Then the last uh, reported addition just hasn't happened just yet, but that's Isaiah Taylor. He'll join the team reportedly on a camp uh, contract, one of those um, summer contracts, fully non-guaranteed um, unless he makes the roster. Taylor's had his shots with the Rockets and the the Hawks over the last couple of seasons. I think this is a guy who he's he's probably a fourth or fifth point guard when a lot of teams don't carry four or five point guards. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he showed some flashes with Atlanta being able to play, um, you know, later in the year. But I think he needs to shoot it better. And, you know, even though he's an average defender, I just don't think he does anything well enough on the floor that he's going to be more than, you know, the third or fourth option at point guard, depending on, on what else they – or what they do with, you know, a guy like Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson is more of a two, I think, than a one. But, you know, he has played, you know, the point guard spot before. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think Taylor makes the roster, though. Yeah, I think there's a good chance he makes it just because of bodies. Like, they just right. don't have a lot of guys right now with that so all right so that wraps up what they've done and what they're you know still heading towards doing so we're going to take a quick break right now so you can hear from our sponsors uh this is the nba front office show we're part of the almighty baller podcast network we'll be right back with you this podcast is brought to you by adt when it comes to something as important as your family safety you need real protection with adt what does real protection mean for you well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Hey, 
And welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. I am Keith Smith, your host. I'm joined by Pete Toll. We just broke down the Cleveland Cavaliers, what they've done thus far in the offseason. Now we're going to get in some questions about the Cavs and about the coming season, just about some of the things that are going on with this club. So, Pete, let's start it where we always start it. What is your starting five for the Cleveland Cavaliers come opening night? Uh, opening night, I think Tristan Thompson at center, Kevin Love at power forward, and then there comes the question mark of small forward <laughs> yeah. because if Rodney Hood does come back, I think it's Rodney Hood. If he does not, then that's going to open up a can of worms because depending on if Kyle Korver is there, which I don't really know that you want to start Korver, then you've got Chetty Osman. If Hood is there, it's Hood. If he's not, it's Chetty Osman. Um, two guard, it's going to be uh, J.R. Smith. And point guard, it's George Hill. All right, so we're a little different, which is good, all right, because we want to be a little different. So we're good on the, the bigs, Thompson and Love. I think that's as lock it in as close as you can get uh, with this roster. Then I, I'm, I'm approaching this as if Hood is not back. If Hood is back, I do think he would be the starting three man. But if he's not back, I think J.R. Smith slides up, plays that spot. Then I think George Hill and Colin Sexton are starting backcourt. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think what they're going to do is basically say this way Sexton doesn't have too much pressure to do all the ball handling. Um, And then Hill can play. Hill's obviously very good playing off the ball um, there. And then, you know, if Hood's back, then I think you probably slide Smith and Hill down and Sexton comes off the bench at least to start the year and go there. And then, you know, and then your, your, your benches, you know, it's, it's just that kind of mix of Clarkson, Nance, Corver. Uh, Nawaba, Osman, Channing Fry, Decker, you know, kind of Dante Zizic, whatever you really want it to be at that point. So we'll see, you know, where that all plays out. So, you know, we're, we're you know, going to be curious. I I think I think the Cavs will look a little different um, as the year goes, but that's a question that we're going to talk about a little bit later here as we get into these questions. So the next one is um, a lot has been talked about this around the uh, – the, the NBA and around Twitter and the internet. Did LeBron James owe the Cavs anything? That's the thing that kills me. Like, I, I know once you get to this point in the offseason that, you know, stuff comes out and, and you have to have filler for content and things like that. But come on. Yeah. The guy <laughs> the guy did everything for Cleveland. Yes, he left. And many fans were, were upset when he went to Miami. But he did exactly what he said he, he was going to do. He was going to come back. He was going to win a championship for Cleveland. And that's that. Like, the the age of the NBA is now, like, you know, it's not like it was when you had Larry Bird and, and, you know, other players that stayed the entire career with one franchise. It just doesn't work that way anymore. And I think with LeBron, obviously motivated going to L.A., you know, for the Hollywood aspect, but then he, he's a mentor in a different type of role. And, you know, I feel like the Cavs maybe – really flip it and say they owe LeBron because without LeBron, there's no championship for the Cavaliers. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, I'll answer it a little shorter because you hit everything I would have hit is, no, he doesn't owe them anything. As you said it, he won. They won it in really about the coolest way you could win it, 
where they were completely counted out and then came back to win it. So now he owes them absolutely nothing. This is, you know, anybody who, who believes that it's just silly, you know, and he continues to be a valued member of the, uh, you know, Northeast Ohio community as well. And, you know, doing great things there with opening his school and all that. So no, he doesn't owe, owe anything. Uh, the next question was, was it the right move to sign Kevin Love to an extension? We already talked about that. Uh, so go back and listen if you want to hear, hear our thoughts on those. So let's go to the next one. Expectations for Colin Sexton as a rookie. What do you think, Pete? What, what's fair to expect? Mm, um, that's where I kind of kind of struggle because I don't know how long it's going to take for them to, you know, kind of move a guy like George Hill and say, okay, we're going to give you the keys to, you know, run the point guard spot as a starter. I think the season starts out slower than many expect for Sexton. Um, but maybe about 18 to 20 games in, he really gets the flow of things. Um, and he can be that change of, of pace guard that can really be a, a score that can kind of bulldog his way in and get points. The only thing that I look for with Sexton is how much is he going to be able to distribute the ball to be a value for the rest of his teammates at the point guard spot. I think you're going to see you know him take his lumps quite a bit in a learning year, especially for a point guard. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's right around, you know, the 11 points a game or so, um, you know, three, four assists maybe. Um, somewhere maybe 24 to 27 points a game or uh, minutes a game. Um, you know, kind of go that range as the year unfolds. Yeah, I think I think those are all pretty good benchmarks there. I think he might score, you know, just a little bit more than that because I don't know who else is going to. One thing I do like is if you're you're right, this kid's a point guard and you're going to try to teach him to be a distributor. One thing you want to do with a young point guard is give him guys who, when he does pass it, make shots. So that is one reason why I do like that they they re-upped with love that they've they've kept Kyle Korver they've kept J.R. Smith because nothing kills a rookie point guard more especially when they're learning to be a distributor is kick the ball out and then nobody hits shots like that just is is crushing for those guys so so I do like it from that um, standpoint I think I, I like I said I do think he's going to start right off the jump but we'll see um, you know and I think it'll be be very very up and down season I think he's going to look absolutely terrible at times and I think that's perfect fine because that's generally expect out of a you know first round rookie um next question is billy preston do you expect to see much at all from him in the nba this season or do you think it's going to be a full-on just you know learn and figure it out in the g league g league all the way i don't see him playing hardly at all um in the nba yeah if he does i think it might be a uh you know if they're really out of it and they're sitting love or if love's you know for some reason not there anymore and all that maybe you know that last 10 15 games of the year kind of thing you might see Preston up and doing some stuff there but other than that I'm, I'm with you I think he's in the G League all season long Sam Decker can he get his career going in Cleveland or is this like you're you're out of the league this time next year um my gut says that he gets it going and is productive as as I mentioned earlier he hasn't shown much or has the chance to show much now? Obviously, playing in uh, what seventy something, seventy plus games the past few seasons, he's had the opportunity, but it's always been in garbage time against you know limited minutes. And in garbage time, as everybody knows, as an NBA fan, everybody's looking for their shot. 
So a lot of things are rushed, and I feel like, you know, nothing ever was comfortable as far as a role for Sam Decker. So I think with the Cavs kind of being constructed the way they are, with vets like Corver that can shoot, um, you know, you have guys in his ear that can kind of build that confidence. Like, hey, you didn't shoot it well last year in in the you know with the Clippers from three. Let's get that boosted back up and and get you some value and confidence. And I think that's going to show on the court. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think this is his best chance he's had to date. Even though he's been with good teams with Houston and the Clippers, those teams they're they're not. They weren't really giving him a surefire role. But I think he showed in that second year with Houston that he can do some things. So, uh, you know, I want to see him, uh, you know, get get an opportunity. I'm glad he's on a team like Cleveland where there is the opportunity to play for him because now we'll find out for sure one way or the other. We talked a lot about David Nawaba, so I'm going to skip that question because it was going to be how did they steal him and who knows, right? It seems like a miss by a lot of other teams, and we'll have to eventually see what kind of contract he gets before he can fully answer that. So let's move on to this one. Do the veterans, George Hill, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, do they finish the year with the Cavs? Korver and Hill, no. Question marks I'm going to have is can you get off Thompson's contract? Is anybody willing to take him? And kind of and the so-called Kardashian curse that surrounds him and all that drama and everything, you know, kind of off the court that that surrounded that. And then J.R. Smith, like, is his head going to be screwed on straight enough that he can go to another team and accept, you know, more so a bench role than anything? And so I don't know how many teams are really clamoring to go after J.R. Smith. I'm going to say Smith potentially gets moved, but Thompson's the only one that ends up, you know, finishing the year with the team just because of the contract. Yeah, I think Hill, because of the way his contract is structured, he's, you know, a good good guy that teams will look at and say, hey, we can grab this guy. He can be, whether he's our, you know, starting point guard or he's a bench guy, then he's only $1 million guaranteed for next season. So he's not really a tradable guy next year because that makes it very hard because he's only going to count – for one million on the one side of the trade, but the eighteen million on the other side, so that makes it really difficult to swing a deal for him. With the way that worked, so I think this is year to get him. That's almost essentially a de facto expiring contract. Corver is still Kyle Corver. The guy's still one of the best shooters in the entire NBA in the history of the league. So I think you know there's a chance there. Three point four million guaranteed. Keeps himself in great shape. You know, I think think there's a chance, you know, any team will jump at getting him if they can. Thompson, you're right, you know, 17.5 this year, 18.5 next year. You know, if he really is back in the starting five and playing really, really well and rebounding and defending, that may be the opportunity. And then I just have this feeling with J.R. Smith, I think he's going to end up in L.A. with LeBron. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know why, I just feel like for some reason he's going to end up in in LA where LeBron, you know, you know they they work some kind of deal, you know when the Lakers need another shooter. I feel like that's you know where he lands next year and at 3.87 guaranteed next year. It's not a crushing contract to to take on by any means if they you know swing a deal. Man. So that's uh, him and Lance Stevenson in the same <laughs> locker room. Oh, well, maybe Lance then, is not still there too. So oh maybe, man, so, yeah. yeah, that oof. we'll get into it when we get into the Lakers show. I don't yeah. think that that roster's not structured to stay together exactly as it is um, right now. Right. So um, all right, then the next to last question. 
is it can they can they stay a playoff team in the east can can the Cavs stay a playoff team or are they just they're out well you've talked about a previous seven through 12 is is really wide open as far as it could fall any any way i think they're out i think they're in that eight to ten range you know maybe even 11 depending on how the roster shakes out if they move some of those veteran pieces and go younger um a lot's gonna fall obviously on kevin love and a lot is gonna fall on kobe altman to make changes to keep this team competitive so a lot of question marks there but you know i don't have the biggest faith in where Detroit has gone, where Charlotte's gone. So, you know, those two teams kind of being up in the air with, you know, Cleveland being up in the air, it could be a, a three-man race for, you know, that A spot. And then Miami, you know, with their injury history, you know, they haven't shown a ton, um, you know, of, of making a lot of, of moves to shore up their roster either. So seven and eight could be wide open. Yeah, you know, that's the thing for the – for the East, it's just that's exactly where it is. It's that bottom part of the playoff picture to the top part of the the lottery teams in the East. They're they're all just kind of connected. If if Love can get back to being a twenty plus point per game guy, then sure, maybe they can be in there. And if Colin Sexton's better than we think, those are kind of the key guys because everybody else, you you really kind of know what you're going to get out of them. You know, they're 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 just kinda gonna be what they are, you know, as players. So that'll be, you know, something to watch for there. It's really gonna be on a lot on it's kinda funny, it's a lot on the their their veteran and love and a lot on their rookie in Sexton to to try and get things done. My worry is they're just not gonna score it enough to to get there and I don't think that they're gonna be such a lock in defensive team that they'll be able to work around that. I just think that's gonna be too hard for these guys to to get there and figure that out in the in the end and I think that's why we're can really, you know, expect um to see them probably drop out of the playoffs. But I don't think they're gonna be completely terrible unless injuries hit or they start really trading guys off. Then if if that's the case then I think this team's gonna be absolutely awful and you know, maybe they'll bottom out. So all right, Pete, I, I don't even need to ask this one. <laughs> Are they up, down, or neutral from last year? Because I know we both think they're down. I mean, you can't be anything but when you lose LeBron James. So um that, you know, is really kind of gonna close us out on the Cavs. It's just not it's it feels like a ton happened, but it really wasn't. It was LeBron left and then they just kind of did other stuff. So, yo, it's funny though. I'm more excited to watch this team now than I have been the last couple of years. Because the last couple of years, I mean, I knew exactly what they were, and you right. kind of it was this feeling of inevitability. Like, yeah, they're going to be there at the end. Uh, this year, now I'm I'm excited to see Sexton. I'm excited to see Kevin Love get back to being the man on a team. And you know, the guy was the ball a lot. I I, I want to see can Sam Decker become something. You know, what is a uh, you know what is Jr. Smith do when uh lebron's not there to kind of keep him under wraps like you know what is that that going to turn into so it'll be uh you know a, a kind of interesting year in cleveland and i think you know it's a, a it was bill simmons who kind of coined that you get get a five-year grace period after winning a title well they're 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 kind of coming out of it but hey still enjoy that one you know you got that one 
you know, that's a, that was what the really important thing was, was that LeBron delivered that and yeah, we'll go. So, all right. Hey Pete, you ready to finally talk a Western conference team in our next yeah. show? Yeah. I know. You know, the way, the way it goes, the top half of the, or the top part of the, um, you know, alphabet is all Eastern conference teams. So now we're going to get into a West team with the Dallas Mavericks on our next show. Uh, lot to talk about there. A lot of, you know, different fun things we can get into with the Mavericks. So they had a uh, pretty exciting off season in Dallas. So Pete, tell everybody where to find you on Twitter until we get to that next show. Uh, you can find me at Pete toll NBA on Twitter. So it's P E T E T O A L NBA. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA, and you can uh, obviously find all the great shows on the Almighty Baller Network. There's all kinds of shows. There's team-specific ones. There are ones that are uh, more analytically focused, ones that are just, you know, they're kind of silly and fun. You know, check them all out. There's a lot of great shows. We're happy to, as always, be part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we want to thank all of you. If you've enjoyed our show, please, you know, head over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you use. Give us a five-star rating and a review would really help us and all you know tell a friend too you know we'd really like that as well um as we try to try to grow this audience and get it to a place where you know you hopefully you're getting what you want out of this show as far as breaking down rosters and transactions and the like we'll be able to keep those coming to you so again this has been the nba front off show i'm your host keith smith we are part of the almighty baller network we will talk to you next time plug you put the plug in the drain right ah it's on the dock there's a reason they say curse like a sailor Ah, many reasons progressive's boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates and now an ad from dad save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.